Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? night. Uh, welcome home. If you're here for the first time, welcome home. Uh, before you sit down, tell the person that you're, you're by, you look really good tonight. Welcome home. <laughs> you know, big hug. There you go. Make them feel really awkward. All right. You may have a seat. Um, I'm gonna jump right into the word today. I've been uh, I've been away. Uh, it was I was just at the conference in Colombia, in Bogota, dude. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, but I was telling one of the most amazing things that you know about that conference for me personally was to be able to spend time with Pastor Caesar. He's my pastor, and I love him. And uh, there's so much so much to learn from him. And so what I'm gonna share with you tonight it's based. Out of one single sentence that he shared, um, I was interpreting uh, as he was bringing healing and restoration uh, to another man, to a pastor that, you know, he has a huge church, this other guy. And, uh, you know, had been struggling. He had been going through a lot of stuff. And he basically came as a, uh, as a prodigal son. So he had gone away, he, you know, kind of fell away and came asking for forgiveness and just going through that restoration period. It was really beautiful to see Pastor Caesar ministering to this man about him and his family. And, uh, and I get the privilege to interpret that. So just to me, that's like, I don't know how you could call it. It's like gold, you know. Um, I, get to, I get to be like a, like a chismoso, you know, like a gossiper. Just listen to everybody's stuff. So that's, I think that's right why pastors are nice to me because I know stuff about everybody. But, uh, but I don't share it with anybody, not even with Eoni. So she gets mad at me, I get mad at her. But anyway, nah, but, but you know, because it's not mine to tell. But it really is cool because I learn a lot, you know. And so I learn a little from him counseling people, sometimes rebuking people, and sometimes encouraging people, you know. And most of the time just being a father, a spiritual father to people. And in this case... I saw the guy's journey, and I've seen what he's gone through, but it was just amazing to see Pastor Caesar minister to him. But amongst all that, he said a sentence that changed my life. I mean, it, it, it shifted something inside of me. And I want to share it with you. Hopefully, you receive it the same way. Um, along with that, I can say this to you. I would have flown to Colombia, you know, paid everything just for that one word. I don't know if you ever have hunger like that, if you ever desire to hear from God. Uh, sometimes you would go to a place like a conference or church or your cell group, but you don't have expectation. And so I learned that expectation is the proof of desire. So when you're expecting something, you know, it's, it's your proof of your faith. It's your proof of your desire. So, for example, they say that when a, a woman is pregnant, she is what? Expecting. Right? When a woman is pregnant, she's expecting, and there's so much, like, she really wants to see that baby. She's, she's getting prepared. Makes sense? She's, like, getting ready to see something. And so I want you to do something. Every time you, you pray, every time you do your devotionals, every time you go to cell group, every time you're at church, expect God to do something. Amen? Is that cool? All right, cool, cool. So I'm going to pray. We're going to actually, we're going to read um, uh, John chapter 6. Let's go to John chapter 6. 
And, uh, and I just want to share this with you. It's going to be a shorter word. And today, tonight we're just going to worship a, a good while. You know, you're gonna, we're going to have some food. We're going to play some games. But then at 10 p.m., we're going to come back in here and just worship till midnight. And so it's really crazy. I was telling somebody about that. And they're like, wait, what? You guys do what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we worship God. We praise God till midnight. It's like, what? What? <laughs> and it's really cool. Uh, if you've never done it, you're about to be blown out of the water. But it's really, really good stuff. All right? Cool. Uh, so John chapter 6, let's go ahead and read. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of the Tiberians. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased or with sickness. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. I love this part. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to him, for he himself knew what he would do. Another version says that he was testing him. I love that. But this he said to him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. 200 denarii, by the way, is about half a year's salary. That, they, that every one of them, or to a year, may every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's, uh, what is it? Good job. How many of you guys are reading? Good, good, good. Said to him, there is a, la a lad or a kid here who has five barley loaves, meaning five pieces of bread, and two small fish. But what are those or what are they among so many? One of your versions may say, but what is this compared to the multitude? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the, the men sat down in numbers about 5,000, I mean. And Jesus took the, two, the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples, to, and, and the what? You guys are not reading. Just kidding. The disciples to those uh, sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, "Gathered up the fragments that remain, so that many, uh, so that nothing is lost." Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets. How many? Gee, twelve. Okay, baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men. When they had seen the signs that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Dear God, I thank you so much because you are so kind, so patient, so loving with every person in this place, myself included, especially me, Lord. Thank you because you have been so incredibly gracious. I ask you right now that your love would come in this place, that your anointing God would fall in this room, that you would touch every person here, God. I pray, God, that you melt away the chains of sin. That you melt away the chains of sin. God, that you truly, truly bring revival into every person in here. Holy Spirit of God, we need you more than ever before. We're here for you and just for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's an incredible story and all of us here have heard of it. I mean, most of you at least have heard of Jesus multiplying the bread and the two fish. 
This is a story not of food. It has nothing to do with fish or bread. It has everything to do with obedience. That one sentence that I heard from Pastor Caesar was this. And I would just pose it first of all in, uh, in the way of a question. What is the first fruit that God will ask of you? What is the fruit that God will ask you? Oh, I think we wrote it there. Oh, you can't really see it well. But anyway, so what is the first fruit that God asks of you? The first thing I remember thinking as I was translating, I said, I know the fruit of my family. That my family would be saved, that my family would love God. And tell me, that, that's a pretty good thing, right? If I'm a father, my, my deepest desire is that my children would love God and serve Him. That my wife would not just be joyous, but also be fulfilled as a daughter of God. Right? Is that good or no? Amen? But even further than that, you know, he said it's not ministry and it's not family. He said the first fruit that God will ask you for is the fruit of obedience. The fruit of obedience. Let me repeat that. The first fruit that God will ever ask you for is the fruit of obedience. And as I read this story, I realized this, that there was this kid among 5,000 men and children and women. And none of them offered up their food. I don't know if none of them had food. All I know is that only one kid stepped up to the plate. Out of 5,000 men, you tell me no one had a snack. That not one mother had prepared lunch for their children. That no other kid had saved at least, at least one candy bar. You know what I'm saying? Like out of all these multitude, only one child stepped up. And I love this because it says that he had five pieces of bread and two small fish. Not tuna like the ones that we catch, you know, uh, big old things that will feed multitudes. Just two tiny little fish, two little sardines, you know what I mean? And this kid... He had five pieces of bread and two fish. Let me ask you this. How much of what he had did he give? Everything. All of it. And that, that really touches my heart because this kid could very easily say, you know what? I'm going to give four and one. I'm going to give just the bread because I don't like the bread. Or I'm going to give just the fish because it stinks already because I've been walking with this thing in my hand for a long time. It's hot. You know what I'm saying? He gave everything he had. And how much of us or how many times we think that God asks something of us. And in reality doesn't ask. God will never ask you something. He will always ask you for everything. You will always have a hard time giving your tithing if you haven't given him your 100%. If you cannot give him your everything, then even 5% is a loss for you. But the moment you give yourself to God in every part of your life, then everything else is just His. The first time, I remember the very, very first time that I had to deny something that I wanted, like a job. I was about to work for AutoZone. Some of you guys know that. I had just graduated high school. And I was going to get this job at AutoZone. And for you guys, it may not seem like a big deal. But I like cars. And I like free or cheap car parts. And so it was great to wear that orange shirt, you know. And so I remember it was offered to me on a Sunday. I, was, I, was, I said, I cannot work on Sundays. But then they offered me the job. And then they scheduled me, guess when? Sundays. And I said, no, I have my convictions. I remember I had gotten two of those shirts. They, he slid them across. And I had to push those shirts back because I saw the schedule. I said, you know what? I thought you said I wasn't going to work on Sundays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. 
And I was like, well, you got to do what you got to do. And I remember just thinking, hey, this is a moment where I actually have to decide. By the way, for the reason I say this to you is not so you use church as an excuse as to not work. Sometimes they go, oh, I got to work on, what, when, Thursday? Yeah, I can't, I got to go to church, man. You know, or you show up late to, to work because you did your devotional in the morning. Yeah, right, bro. Do your work and do what God called you to do, right? But I remember it was very clear to me that at that very moment, I had to say no to some things that I wanted. And it was so beautiful to understand that God would reward that and even more because I knew that I had given my life to God. Now, this is a crazy thing that God doesn't shice you. God doesn't keep things for himself. God will never rip you off. God is not going to be like, oh, yeah, you gave me this. Good, because I needed it. God doesn't need you to give him anything. The only reason God wants something from you is to multiply it. You hear what I just said? The only reason God would take your five pieces of bread and two fish is to multiply it and to bless you, your family, listen to this, and the multitudes. The only reason God would ever ask you for anything is to multiply it. God does not need something from you. If he needed something from you, he wouldn't be God. If he needed something from you, then you would be God. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes we feel like God is asking something of us because he's trying to cut a good deal for himself. Everything you give him is a bad deal for him. Everything you give to God, no matter how amazing you think it is, it's short of who he is. God, I'm going to give you my time. All right, well, time is in his hands anyway. Am I making sense? God, you know, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, this relationship. And that relationship is all jacked up anyway. Is it true or not? It's like it's abusive, it's garbage, it's sinful. And you got to sacrifice this relationship. God's like, well, that's a pretty good sacrifice and all, but it's not the greatest gift. Am I making sense? The Bible says that even our greatest actions, our greatest acts, are like filthy rags. And sometimes we feel like we're doing God favors. And if you're here tonight, I want you to know something. You're not doing God a favor by being here. God's doing you a big favor by allowing you to do one simple thing. And this is that, to come into his house and to understand and feel his love. No matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, God loves you and he's welcomed you into his house. I don't know if you ever felt honor in being somewhere. But I was just reading a biography by a man that said that he was invited to go to a president's house. And he was treated so well. And when he was there, he was shaking that guy's hand. It was actually Jensen Franklin. He was talking about how he got invited to go to the White House. And when he was shaking the, the president's hand, he said, is this actually happening? Like, this is crazy. I'm standing right in front of the president. I get to be in the White House. Well, even more than the president is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And he's invited into his home. And he loves you so much. One thing that you have to understand and I have to understand is that if God would ever ask you for something, please listen. How next time that you feel God is asking you for something like your life or obedience in any way, shape, or form, that you would never feel like he's trying to take, take you to the cleaners or, or rip you off or somehow scam you. That if God is asking you for whether it be a relationship or a sinful behavior, or maybe it's not sinful. Maybe it's something that's supposed to be good in your eyes. And you think, hey, it's not that bad. But God says, I still want that. Because sometimes the good things in your life are stopping you from achieving the greatest things in your entire life. See, sometimes we feel like that what we have now is as good as it's going to get. And you're right. Unless you put it in God's hands. Because that kid had five pieces of bread and two fish. 
And that kid had no power to multiply it. Even if he was a great cook, like some of your moms and my mom, man, she could make something out of nothing. You guys know what I'm saying? Like you go and you try to do the same meal and it tastes like garbage. But somehow she gets this, like in my case, my mom, Mexican mom, she grabs this tortilla. She throws some cheese on it. And for some reason, it tastes amazing. You're like, that? Can you, can you do one more? Or like potato. You guys ever eaten potato tacos? All it is is potatoes and tacos. And they're not even like fried. It's like smashed potatoes from leftover from like two days ago. And you eat them and you're like, mm, you're like salivating on the side. Yes or no? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, man, they're potato tacos. They got nothing going for them. But somehow, way, in the hands of your mom, you're like, dude. It's, it's, it's the blessing of a mother. If your mom has the ability to do that, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, this little kid, no matter how, how much of a mama gift he had or how great it was, all he can do was five and two. That's as good as it was going to get. He could chop it up real fine. He could put tomato on it. But he was not going to feed 5,000 men. No matter what, he had what he had, and he could not do anything greater with it. Did you know? Listen to this. This is so wild. It says there that they said on, on, on verse 9, there's a, sla- there's a lad here who has five bar- barley loaves and two small fish. Check this out. This is what the disciples said. But what are they among so many? And I could hear this same sentence spoken to you sometimes by the enemy Or by people that may or may not fear God. But what is this compared to so much? I remember the first time I heard the call of God over my life. Man, I'm telling you, I heard God speak to me. You say, God, like, Pablo. It wasn't like that. It was this deep conviction. This this thing that made me want to go, oh, it could happen. I was in Colombia and I was weeping, man. I, I I don't cry easily, but when I cry... I do it well. I'm just kidding. Now, I was like bawling and I was crying because I saw Citrus Stadium completely packed out with young people raising their hands and praising God. If you know where Citrus Stadium is right next to APU, and one day we're going to fill it. You'll see. I know we're going to pack that place out with young people on fire for God. By the way, the grass was packed out as well. And I remember seeing that and I was like, God, it can happen. And I began to see God do great things Listen, please listen. I wasn't on the platform. It was my disciples. The crazy thing was that I didn't even have a disciple back then. I hadn't even called Mikey yet. Mikey was my first phone call from Colombia. Not even my mom. It was Mikey, my first phone call. Listen, I hadn't even, I hadn't even called him yet. I was still receiving this vision, this heart. I was like, God, you can do something incredible. But then I heard a voice. And it was very similar to this. But what is this compared to so many? What is this? Who are you? Who are you compared to so many? What are you to do? I mean, you're just Whitney. And you hear voices like that, don't you? But what do I have to offer? I'm not super talented. I'm not, you know, Reinhard Bonke. You know, I, I am not this guy that, like, is amazing. I'm just... Five and two. You know what I'm saying? Like five pieces of bread and maybe a fish and a half. Because I'm not even five and two. That's how sometimes we feel, don't we? Like, I mean, I'm just a kid's lunch here. And God would say, uh-uh. Yeah, you're five and two. You're right. But in my hands. But in my hands. But in my hands, you can feed 
the multitudes. The Bible says that they brought these kids food to Jesus. Now, I don't know, but I think the kid went with them just to make sure Peter wasn't going to just eat it on the way. I think the kid was just walking with it. Ah, I'm, I'm making sure Jesus gets this because it's my lunch. And if he's anything like Elijah, he would ask a lot of questions of Jesus. And I think, actually, I know that when he was standing there and he gave it to Jesus and he saw everything multi being multiplied, that little kid learned a lesson. That little child, it says he was a lad. I don't know. I, we don't use that term anymore. But he was not above 10 years old. And I think this little 10-year-old kid was looking at everything happening. He saw his five and two and he's like, yeah, from here on out, everything belongs to Jesus. But the question is, right here, right now to you, have you seen God multiply? And if you haven't, I understand why you could be so reluctant to give to God. I'm not talking only about finances. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about you becoming, instead of someone who has just enough for himself, but someone that's able to feed multitudes. I don't believe that God died on the cross, Jesus Christ crucified, just so that you can eat lunch. So you could have enough to make it by for yourself. God had purchased you with his own son's blood at the cross. Not so that you can simply stop smoking or stop drinking. He purchased you at the cross of Calvary to multiply you. To give your gifts to the multitudes. That none should perish but that all would be saved. Every one of you in here, please listen. You're under the sound of my voice. Listen to this. I don't care if it's five and two, three and one, two and two, or zero and zero. In the hands of God, you are an incredible blessing to this world. You are a blessing to your family, to the multitudes, to the people of God, to the hungry of the world, to anybody, anyone that gets near you. Listen, whether you're a a five and two. Some of you guys, I don't, need a I, don't, I don't know if he makes it to a five and two. I got some disciples, they're like, they're like a four. You see, guys, we think that way. Guys, it's not a good thing. But guys, we think in number system. Yes or no? Bro, what is she doing with you? She's like a, like a solid nine and you're like a four. You guys, any, any fours right here that are with nines? Right here. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you're like, yeah, she's way out of my league. I don't know. It's just the, the point system works for us. Right? Who's, you could say, I'm a five and two, right? Hey, I'm a five right here. I'm a five. Maybe you're the two. Maybe you're the, you're the fish, the dead fish. <laughs> but all I know is that God, listen, man, this disciple, the one who was supposed to have faith, you know, the one who was supposed to be a 12 of Jesus, he should have said, Jesus, here thy are. You know what I'm saying? Like, he should have been like, hey, Jesus, why don't you rest? You're tired. Let me do the praying this time. Right? Because he had just come back from seeing miracles. As a matter of fact, they were in the middle of revival. The people ran to Jesus, 5,000 strong, plus men, I mean, plus women and children. Listen, I'm averaging about seven to, seven to 10,000. They were maximum about 20 because we have a bunch of kids. Right? But listen, all these people chased after Jesus and they were all seeing miracles left and right. The death can hear the blind can see the mute were shouting of joy does that make sense people were carrying around their mats that they were sitting on laying dragged on it was revival and the disciples were tired so they wanted to just call it a night 
Hey, Jesus, why don't you just send them away? You know, they're hungry and, you know, we're a little hungry too. By the way, where are we going to get the money? I love this because Jesus, he does something so beautiful. He takes this kid's food and with that kid's food, listen to this. He feeds the multitudes and gives a basket to each one of his 12. I love that because if I was him, I'd have been like, you unbelieving cowards, step out of my way. You don't deserve anything. Now, maybe I wouldn't do that, but maybe a little bit. I'd have given one basket for everybody. But Jesus had one. It says there that he had 12 baskets left over. Now, Jesus could have had 13 baskets left over. It's not like he ran out of power at the 12th basket, right? He had enough juice for 12 and then some. But he stopped at 12 baskets left over. Let me tell you why. Because he had 12 disciples that needed also to learn a lesson. That with that kids five and two, they can see multiplication. I don't know what they did with those. Man, they, they must have each had their own basket looking at each other like, see, I told you. I knew it the whole time. You're the one that said, get away, kid. That's nothing. You know what I'm saying? But each one was carrying their baskets full of bread. Not only did they multiply the bread, I just think he multiplied the baskets too. I don't know where they were getting baskets, but baskets were popping up left and right. They were, in the, they were chasing Jesus. It wasn't like they were coming from the store. Each one of them had this godly basket filled with godly food, and they had done nothing for it. But you know where it came from? One kid that was willing to give five and two. And I just want to bring this now into our context, our current life. God wants to use you. Some people must know about Christ's power. You're that kid, and I'm that kid. Every single day, every day, you'll have the option to say, God, here's my five and two. Today, tomorrow, the next day, God, here's my five and two. I love worshiping Jesus, and I'll do it till midnight tonight. But listen, the greatest worship you could ever give to the King of Kings is the restoration of broken people. It is the winning of someone who's lost. It's sharing his love with someone else. Listen, you may think, God, but I don't know enough. And God says, five and two. Amen? You may say, man, but you don't know my story, man. I, I'm... I'm not perfect. And God's like, perfect. If you were, you wouldn't need me. Does that make sense? I love my scars. Now, nah, you guys are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the scars in my body. We're men and men. We like to like, watch this, this right here. Stabbing, stabbing. Yeah, right. It was your brother. He was like with a pencil, eh, you know. But, but we, we, we love our scars. We wear them well. Girls don't like scars for some reason. Ah, do you like scars? Scars are cool, right? I'm just saying. Girls, you should all have C-sections just so you can have a big old scar. Show them what? For stabbing right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what? <laughs> right? Shot, gunshot. Yeah. Stabbing right here. <laughs> and I went for it, right? And it was willing. And I was awake for it. Anyway, so imagine this. That your scars, I love this, God can heal your wounds but he will not heal your scars he will leave the scars to remind you that there was healing when Jesus was healed listen this is beautiful when Jesus was healed he was nailed to the cross he resurrected in this beautiful incredibly wonderful body some of you guys say mm, amen I, I received that one day I'll get there to the glorified body part right listen this is great this guy 
Thomas says, ah, I won't believe it until I put my finger in where? His scars. Now, in his wounds. But what Jesus had was scars. Now, listen, why wouldn't God take the scars out of Jesus' body? To remind his kids, his people, of what he had done for them. What if I tell you that your biggest pain, your biggest sorrows in your life, your biggest downfalls, that is the five and two. Not just the good stuff. Because sometimes we think that what we have to offer God is only the great stuff. And to be honest with you, good, great, or horrible to him, it's all the same, baby. <laughs> like nothing is greater to him. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm going to give you my, my gifts, my talents. I'm going to give you 11% and then, and then you're going to be amazed. Like to God, 10% of a dollar and 10% of a thousand dollars or $500,000 is the exact same thing. Did you hear what I just said? If you cannot give 10% from a buck, you will never impress God by giving 8% of 500,000. To him, it's simple obedience. This is why you're here tonight and I'm here tonight. Not because we want to please somebody. I pray that that's maybe the first step. But I pray you went beyond that already. That you say, God, I want to be where you are. I want to learn how to better serve you. So here's what I want to do. Something very simple. And that is for you to really answer when God calls you. When Pastor Caesar told this pastor, what God is going to ask of you first is the fruit of obedience. I immediately thought, where is God asking me? What is he asking me to give? What can I obey God? So would you ask yourself this question? Am I being obedient to God or disobedient? Tonight, you will have opportunities. Tomorrow, you will have even more opportunities to be obedient to God. Jared, are you here? It's a gift. It's a talent. So I remember one time Jared was, uh, he was in, uh, in the middle of school, right? I think it was. It might have even been Citrus. Or maybe PC. I don't know where he was going. I don't know. He was going to school. Or maybe, I don't know where it was. Or What was it that he did school? He schooled in, um, yeah, for nursing. Anyway, he said he was walking on school. And all of a sudden he felt like God had asked him to kneel down, raise his hands, and begin to pray right there and then. Some of you guys are like, that's weird. I know. I thought so too. But Jared, at that time, he was really struggling with rejection and acceptance. And feeling like... You know, like, I have to blend in. I have to blend in. See, Jared's a soul winner. And that's what he is, a soul winner. He's a fisher of men. But he was feeling really scared and ashamed and embarrassed. He was feeling, receiving a lot of kickback from the teachers in the school. They told him they were going to kick him out if he didn't stop trying to teach people the Bible and trying to pray for people. And so at that very moment, he felt God told him, right here, right there, start praying. And Jared said something to me that really just blessed my life and blessed my heart. He said, you know what I did, Pastor? I said, what? He said, I ran away. I now. He said, I knelt down on my knees. I went like this. I raised my hands and I just started praying in the middle of the school. He said, it felt like it was just God and I. Like no one was around. He said, I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, weird. But you know what? I didn't care at all. Because it was what God was asking of me. There's so many times where God will ask you. Maybe you're in Subway and you're deciding between carbonara or meatballs. And the guy right across from you does not know Jesus Christ. There's no line, so there's no excuse. 
But your carbonara choice is more important than his salvation. And so God will ask of you to do something. And at that moment you say, no, I'll keep my five and two. Or maybe here, I'll give them a church card. By the way, we don't have church cards yet. So uh, we take that excuse right out. So you're like, well, maybe I'll just tell him God bless and that'll be enough. I'll just give you one fish, Jesus. I'll keep the bread. Just one fish, you know. Hey, by the way, um, Jesus loves you. Bye-bye. <laughs> you don't even pay. Right? Here's one fish. But God is asking five and two. He's not asking you for that. Let's move a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, this very week, God is going to ask of you for something. Very, very simple. For me, it's been always the same case. An obedience in something that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. God, but that doesn't make sense. Did you know it doesn't need to make sense? It just needs to make you obedient. Because sometimes God asks you for something not because it makes sense or because it's good for him, but because it's your obedience he needs. It's your obedience he wants. It's not your things. It's not your family. It's not your job. It's not your worship. It's your obedience. Sometimes we think we worship God and he gets stronger like a comic book. Like when I worship him, he gets bigger. Right? Or like, you know what I'm saying? It's come on, like It doesn't make sense. Sometimes worship simply is, God, I will deny me so that you would be exalted. I will not obey my feelings that tell me, I'm tired. I will obey the word of God that says, magnify the Lord. Oh, my soul, magnify the Lord. Sometimes, you guys, the most important thing in your life is not eating like in this kid's life. He wasn't thinking, man, I'm going to keep these. Forget these people. For the, sake, to, for the sake of the others, and not just that, to see what God would do, he gave everything he had. So I'll just finish with something beautiful. Here Jesus blessed the bread. He thanked and he multiplied it. What if I said to you that sometimes whatever you have is one step of obedience away from being blessed and multiplied? What if what you have today in your life, like your family, like your job, like a relationship, a friendship, Your life itself. My five and two. What if it's just one step of obedience away from being blessed by God and multiplied? See, if I would have stayed and not gone to Colombia at that time when God asked of me to go, I don't think I would have been multiplied. I've seen thousands of people come to Jesus. And now my dream is not just see people come to Jesus, but people be discipled and stay in Jesus. Man, that we would multiply to not just hundreds, but thousands upon thousands of people that love Jesus with all their life, with all their heart. That you and I would not stay at five and two, but that you would go to the 12 baskets extra. That in your five and two, you would have enough left of you to have 12 baskets full. That in you, there's enough to feed 12. Listen to what I just said. Not just the multitudes, but that you would have enough For the 12. I want not just, listen, to have a big mega church that's exciting and fun and excellent and screens everywhere. Which will be really cool when I start preaching and then all the ceiling will be LED. I told you guys, right? And I said, fire from God. <laughs> fire comes. What the heck? And we talk about Noah's Ark. Maybe we'll just like spill some water on people like 4D kind of thing. 
I just think it's going to be awesome. It is. It's going to be really cool. Um, but anyway, so I, we don't, that's not the point. The point is to say, hey, God, it's not a big church thing. It's not, has nothing to do with the big church. It has everything to do with five and two. God, do I have enough? Do I have enough? The answer is no, but he is enough. He is always enough. And so God will finance every one of his dreams. God will finance every one of his dreams. Meaning, if your dream is his dream, he will have no problem having it come to pass. Why don't you stand up with me for a second? We're going to do something. We're going to offer God our five and two. And I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe for you, it is your life. He said, man, but I'm, an ad I'm addicted to drugs. Oh, man, I, I cannot stop. Maybe watching things you shouldn't. Maybe you say, you don't know, Pastor, man, but I struggle. Because there are kids here. I will not get too descriptive. But maybe you say, man, I can't stop doing certain things that chain me at nights. Or maybe it's you who says, I would love to worship God, but honestly, I'm... I want to give my life to God but honestly I'm just so lazy I can't get myself to do things what am I to so many and the enemy would say yeah stay little stay small I thought that humility meant smallness and humility is not smallness smallness is an insult to the greatest most incredible being created you to his likeness and to his image if you think small you're not being humble if you think small you're being offensive to the one who created you he invested everything he had in you everything he is he gave to you his inheritance is yours Jesus said the following you are my co-heir heir You will do greater things than those that I did when I walked on this earth. You will do greater things. I say, nah, five and two. <laughs> Jesus, five and two, you can't. See, I come from a specific place and specific people. My family's broken. I barely learned the language. I don't even have papers. Or maybe you could even say something so goofy as this. Well, God, I'm already doing my part and it doesn't seem to be enough. And I would just tell you, you're one step away of obedience from being multiplied and blessing multitudes. I don't know if that kid ran back to his mom, you know? I said, mom, mom, mom. I could just hear it. The Bible's not thick enough, but I wish it was thicker, like a bam, like a huge book with a bunch of detail of what happened afterwards. I could just imagine this kid going back and he wasn't going, he didn't go home the same way. You see what I'm saying? This kid went back and like, Five and two. Maybe he started making shirts. Five and two shirts. Firmin Alex Dominguez should have his own brand. Five and two. Where's Alex? Is he here? I have a gift. I'm telling you. If you miss, I'll catch you. I will catch you. He'd have had his own brand. Five and two. Do you know what I'm saying? He'd been like. So, five and two for everything. Do you know why? Because it was his lunch. His sacrifice, his gift that blessed the multitudes. I don't know if he had a friend that also had food. And he said, so what happened to your food? Because mine multiplied and blessed everybody here. Am I making sense? 
Mama must have looked at him and said, Johnny, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You shared just like I taught you. I don't know if he looked at his brothers and said, hey, did your food get multiplied? Because mine did. All I know is this. There's going to be a time, there's going to be a place where you get to be called back to the house of God. And I'm talking about the eternal house. Where you and I will have to meet the God who gave us everything we are and everything we have. You can humbly, humbly come to him and say, here you go, Jesus. I give you my leftovers, my life. And God will say, that is not your life. You kept your five and two. I asked for your life. I paid for your life. But you kept it for yourself. So I had to use someone else who maybe had three and one. And I used that person instead of you. And this burns my heart. Listen, I want God to use me. But he will use someone else. Because people need Jesus. And I don't want to miss out ever on the plans of God. I want to be where God is. I want to go where he's going. I don't want to just say, yeah, I could have gone. I could have been there. See, I knew how to do it, but not anymore. Like that guy that says, yeah, I used to skate. You used to do nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to say, God, I was there, I'm here, and I will be there. Every time, God will ask for everything. Tonight, if you have held back on God, maybe you started doing your devotional about a year ago, and you stopped about five months ago, or maybe just maybe here, you used to pray, and you stopped praying, or you used to go to cell group excited, pumped, ready to hear the word, but you became a professional cell group goer. Now you know when to show up. You know exactly when to leave, when to say goodbye. You know to bring enough, but not bring anyone else. See, enough to not get the leader mad, but not enough to please the Lord. Am I making sense? At which point did we become professional believers where we just go to church, we worship, we love Jesus, but no one else is getting saved? Because God wants to use you. You're five and two, my five and two, and I'm not angry at any of you. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be left behind. I want God to use my lunch. Am I making sense? I want God to use my lunch. I want God to use my little bit of resource to feed the multitudes. And why not? The 12 as well. And so I just ask you one simple question. Why are we here? That is because God wants to feed the multitudes. He had compassion on them. He still has compassion on them. And you are the answer. As broken as this is, God just spoke in such a beautiful way. Before Jesus, listen, before Jesus had to give the bread, he had to break it. If you're broken and your life seems so broken, praise God, you're saving him a lot of work. God can use broken bread. God will use the broken. The only thing that he needs is to bless it first. Let God bless your life. Let God bless your life. How? Put it in his hands. Put it in his hands. As broken, as jacked up as it is. As long a trip as he has had. 
as meaningless as it is, give it to God. Five and two is what he asks for. He will bless it and he will multiply you. Your generations, listen, someone here needs to catch these words. Your generations will never be the same because tonight you will give God everything you are, everything you have. Your parents should have done it. They had the chance at some point, but they said, no, my five and two belong to me. I have to eat. Forget the multitudes. Forget everybody else. I am hungry. And God said, I am hungry for multitudes. I am hungry for the multitudes. Today, God will share with you his hunger. And so I just ask you this. Change the story of your family. That your children and your children's children would say, when did everything change? And they'll be able to look back at a small church in Montebello, in Los Angeles. And we'll say, I know when it was. When I gave God my everything. And you see, when you give God your everything, he listens. He ruined me for some nasty things. I'm no good at sinning. Did you hear that? I can't. I gave him all my life. And so I know if I do less than what I'm called to do, I'll be miserable forever. I will not sell him short. Some of you gave God your life. And the misery you see in your life is the leftover things that you didn't give to him. That is what's bringing pain, sadness, and misery. Because if you give him everything, he would bless it and multiply it. What is there still to give to God? What is there in you to give to God? I know in my life what it is. And I pray that today you recognize it. So I'm going to pray two simple prayers. One is for the one person here that hasn't given Jesus their life. No, I came to church. I don't care if you go to church. Man, I don't care if you build a church with your own hands. That doesn't make you a child of God. What do you mean, pastor? A child of God is not by birth, but is by adoption. And how are you adopted into the amazing, incredible fatherhood of God? It is only by acceptance. By saying, yes, I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Father. As the one and only who will never leave me or forsake me. So if you're here today and you want to give Jesus your life, maybe you gave him 50% and I don't know how that's possible. But you gave him a piece of it, but not everything. Today's a great day to say, God, I give you everything. Forgive me for keeping some for myself. But today it's all yours. My marriage, my future marriage, my non-marriage, my singleness. It's all yours, God. My finances, my lack thereof finances. I give you everything I have. My dreams, my passions, my lack of passion. Take it. Do something with it. Dear God, do something with my gifts and talents or the thing that I don't think I have. Do something with it, God. Give everything to Jesus tonight. First prayer. Second prayer will be very, very simple. And that is a boldness. Fire. The kind of fire that will let other people know that Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray right now for anyone here that is willing to give you their lives. Jesus, we give you our five and two. Someone here recognizes that they haven't given everything to God. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. If you have not given Jesus your life, or maybe you gave him half of it or part of it, just like Jared did, and knelt in the middle of a school, maybe, just maybe, you're here, and there's something still afraid, and I tell you, you will be bold as lions. Dear God, I thank you because I know someone here is giving you their life. Jesus, I thank you for that man's life. I thank you for that girl's life. I thank you for that man's life right there. 
If you want to give Jesus your life, come to the front. I'm not asking you if you want to be perfect. I'm asking you, do you want to give Jesus your five and two? You want God to do something great with something that may not be so great. Oh man, the enemy is gluing you to the seat. And God is saying, come on up. Come on up. Be bold. Come on up. I went to the cross for you. Can you come to the front for me? I went to the cross for you. Can you come to the front for me? The word of God is so clear. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Right now, confess. Confess. Dear God, I thank you because people are right now are being saved. People are giving you their lives. Father, I ask God, Jesus Christ, we need you, but God, the world needs you as well. God, I pray right now that you receive our lives, receive our five and two. God, let this place be a place, God, please, where people can find you. Salvations left and right, multitudes coming about through these lives that may seem so small compared to so many. What are these to so many? And I say to you, God, we are in your hands right now. Right now. If you want to give Jesus your life, begin to tell him on your own words. Tell him, God, I give you my life. Forgive me, God. Forgive my sins. I give you everything I have and everything I am. Forgive me, God. You are mine and I am yours. For the rest of my life, I will hold nothing back. I believe in your power. I believe in your multiplication. Jesus, I want to have childlike faith. I don't want to be those kind of adults that don't know anything but seem to know everything. God, I want to be like that 10-year-old kid that gave everything to Jesus just because he thought he might do something great with it. Dear God, I pray right now that you give us a childlike faith that if someone here is so broken, so lost, that they say, you don't know, preacher, you don't know, pastor, what I'm going through. And I will tell you, you are so right. But I do know one thing. I know where you're going and I don't know what you've been through, but I know where God is leading you. He's leading you to blessing. He's leading you to a place of salvation, of redemption, and of transformation. God is doing something right here, right now in someone's life. Someone right here is giving everything to God. That is the sacrifice that he's asking for. That is the sacrifice. Give him your life. Oh man, I can feel God right here, right now. He's asking something else of you. He's saying, God, not that not that one please and he says yes your child is mine yes that relationship is mine yes your time belongs to me you have been so stingy with your time to God you thought that by giving him part of it to fish he was going to be happy throw Jesus a bone and he'll be quiet I'm sorry that's not the way it works that is not the way it works Right now is the time to give everything to God. Dear young people, young people, God loves you so much. You are the answer to your generation. Dream, dreamers, dream. Dream with the heart of God. Dream with the visions of God. Dream mighty, dream big. Put your life in his hands. What if? Well, what if he could? What if you could put your life in his hands right now? What can he do with you, with your family? What if you pray for the sick and they're healed? What if, just maybe, what if? Through you, your family's fed and healed and restored. Because that little kid, I guarantee you this, 
he will be remembered. And 2,000 plus years later, we're hearing of this lad that gave his lunch. I wonder if 2,000 years from now, or 20, or 30, or 50, or 100, people will hear of you. A young girl, the young man that gave their five and two to God and said, man, look what God did with his life. Look at what God has done with CFF. The five and two kind of church. The five and two kind of church that held nothing back. You know, we're going to be praying. We're going to be fasting. We're going to be searching after God. But all this means nothing. If you're not willing to take a step of obedience. Be bold as lions. Be bold as lions. The Word of God says that a dog is better than a dead lion. Listen. A live dog is better than a dead lion. Some of you here, some of you here need to realize that courage and fire and boldness is not a gift it's a choice it's not a gift it's a choice it's something you do that says I don't care I'm going to do it for God I declare you now and I throw myself in this boat once again fishers of men fishers of people used to fish for yourself now you'll win souls and make disciples dear CFF we're stepping into a whole new dimension a whole new moment personal revivals will break left and right you will have to open your cells you will have to call your 12 because you will have no other option the multitudes are coming to be fed by your five and two your five and two will feed the multitudes be bold be willing to give be willing to try we commit to you, God. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. Tonight, God, you will receive our offering, but also our obedience. And so ask God to make you here right now, obedient to the an extreme. I would 10 times rather be so obedient that God says, okay, I got to be careful with what I tell him than being so disobedient that he doesn't tell me anything. Here, let's make God careful. How about that? Let's make him think. If I tell him, he'll do it. If I tell her, he'll tell, she'll do it. So I better tell her great things because they'll do everything I say. Dear God, I thank you because I know that tonight you're changing hearts. I thank you, Jesus, because some people here are so tired and so broken. They've been traveled a long way, man. They've been going for miles and miles and miles and no rest. But... There's another miracle waiting to happen now. There's a miracle happening right here, right now. No one in that multitude was tired after that. No one in that multitude was hungry after that. Everyone was fed. Everyone was blessed. Because someone decided to give to Jesus. God, I bless this people. I bless this ministry. I can see what is coming and I cannot wait. God, we don't want to be left behind. We're here for you. We're here with you. God, we want to be there all the way through. We love you, Jesus. God is putting in my heart to pray for someone right now who has been struggling with pornography.
And I can tell you right here, right now, give your time to Jesus. Give your time to Jesus. It is in the, st the space of time that the enemy works. It is in the void of your life that the enemy takes advantage. Give that time to Jesus. Give it to God. Give it to him before the enemy takes it for himself. Some of you here have been struggling with depression. Give the time and the thoughts to Jesus. You've been thinking so little of yourself or too much. And I will tell you this. Give the thoughts to Christ. Start thinking how God can use someone like me. What can I do? The Lord will pull you out of that pit so quick. You won't even know it's you in two years' time. You're going to be like, I cannot believe I was that person. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for the new life, new strength. If someone is sick here right now, I want you to put your hand right over your place, wherever you're sick, wherever it's hurting. Holy Spirit of God, I pray for healing right here, right now. Jesus, in your name, by your wounds and by your blood, healing comes over their heads, over their backs, over the knees. Girl problems in the name of Jesus right now. Right now, healing. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed from his back. Healing. Healing. What seemed to be cancer is not cancer. In the name of Jesus Christ now. It's eradicated. I declare now, God, healing in their bodies and now healing in their hearts. Healing in your heart in the name of Jesus. God wants you healthy that you would serve him a long time. God wants you healthy that you would serve him a long time. We give you our lives. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Stand up, give Jesus a round of applause.